here's the thing. Mm-hmm. When someone is telling you they're not ready or they're not willing, that content is right there waiting for you to explore it with them. There's mm-hmm. no need to push because it's already in the room. Mm-hmm. And if you can just like invite them to kind of notice that space of possibility. Welcome back to Act Root to Fruit. This is a podcast about getting more precise with the contextual behavioral sciences that do include ACT and FAP and uh, clinical behavior analysis and compassion-focused therapy. Today, I'm very excited to share with you a conversation I had with Dr. Lisa Coyne, who's a licensed clinical psychologist from the New England area in Boston, and uh, she's a assistant professor at the Harvard Medical School in the Division of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, and she founded the McLean Child and Adolescent OCD Institute. Uh, she is the founder and director of the New England Center for OCD and Anxiety, past president of the Association for Contextual Behavioral Sciences, and author of Joy of Parenting, an ACT therapy guide for effective parenting in early years. Also, Stuff That's Loud with Ben Sedley and Stop Avoiding Stuff, 25 micro skills to face your fears and do it anyway. We cover a lot of ground and a lot of ground around OCD, other important topics having to do with therapy. And we wrap up around how to recover after inviting a client to do difficult work and being rejected and, and how to use that and what to do with that in a in a therapeutic and productive way if you've been if you've been following along uh, i appreciate that uh, and if you're new appreciate you too uh, feel free to subscribe or like review one of my primary motivations for for doing this project and this this podcast is to be helpful uh, just imagining a world where more clinicians are basing their interventions on function. And so if your interest is, is in getting there and would like to uh, do so in a group setting, hit me up. Um, organizing some training groups to do some experiential work and some didactic work around these, uh, these principles of, of, of what I've been getting at here. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Lisa Coyne. When I was over in Ireland, I, I was housed with three artists, right? So I'm mm-hmm. the writer. I don't think of myself as an artist, but I guess I could. Um, and just hanging out with them, these three awesome women who were just, you know, there to create sculptures that, you know, just to play, mm-hmm. right? It's very different kind of of thinking way of being than when you have a job or a profession and you have to do things to a standard or you mm-hmm. have to adhere to a rule here is what is good you should strive for this and you can deviate a little bit from that and you can innovate a little bit um, but you're doing a thing you're going in a direction whereas in this sort of more creative way you're accessing all of these sorts of other things and it could go in any direction at all and there's this huge sense of possibility and you're really I think more primed to stay in the moment and really take what's being offered and be curious about what that is and where it will go in a way that if you're just focused on the next dopamine hit (laughs) I got it right it's like the Mm -hmm. difference between rule governed behavior and tracking isn't it Mm -hmm. you know but we forget, you forget what it's like to live differently. You forget that there yeah. could be a completely different world out there than the one that we're, we're noticing. You know? it, makes, it makes me just kind of wonder if I'm paying enough attention to how that's impacting my clients mm. overall and, and ability. And I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, thinking about, you know, mm-hmm. OCD and oh my people, God, yeah. getting people to do things that 100%. are challenging and, you know, really things that their mind does not want them to do. Well, I think about this all the time, actually. And it's, it's kind of the way that we conceptualize, you know, exposure and response prevention from an act perspective in our clinic, right? We're trained. It's not just that these folks have 
OCD, which is the definite, you know, <laughs> the baseline is being stuck in your head in this sort of rule governed way, adhering to whatever sort of the obsession is and doing that behavior to kind of mitigate it. Um, but not only that, but contextually, that behavior has just been shaped and it's so strong over time in every other area of your life. So like the idea that you could just step out of this and live differently. It's like, it's kind of like, you know, in Harry Potter when um, they're at, you know, platform nine three quarters or whatever. And they're like, run at the wall there. And you're like, like it's, it's like that. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? It could be different. What do you mean? I don't have to listen to this thought. Mm-hmm. And so I think creating that hope and creating that sense of possibility and curiosity is like, it, it's sort of, that's what I want to shape when I, with any client for any reason at the mm-hmm. very beginning is I want to shape the sense of what if the world is not as you believe it to be yeah. in really interesting ways that might be just incredible to discover, not just scary, but incredible. What mm-hmm. if, right? And like, it's, it's this kind of reclaiming of the, you know, when the warriors are, are kind of what ifing that terrifying, like, oh God, what if this horrible future comes to pass? But what if, what if? Mm-hmm. there's also there could be a sense of wonder and joy yeah. and things and I kind of want to start with that as the baseline because I want them to and that's you know where the valuing work comes in mm-hmm. um, and I want but in order to do that you need them to step back and they need to be surprised can you they give me a, a, a taste of that how the valuing work works there for lack of a thesaurus yeah. handy I'll say work five times in a row <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, I think that we've lost a sense of possibility. And so when we get stuck in that, you know, the drudgery of, you know, I have a scary thought and I have to do this ritual or I have, you know, I'm going to scroll and get that dopamine rush. Mm -hmm. You stop thinking about the things that really matter to you that you care deeply about and you forget what it might feel like. And maybe you've never had it right? Maybe you've never really lived mm. like that. For mm-hmm. some people, I don't know that they actually um, have ever really touched that. Mm-hmm. And so to me, doing this deep valuing work is just simply getting someone to step back and even just be silent and, and just be still for a moment mm. and think about like, what if the world could be like, what if you could have any possible world? Like, mm-hmm. what would that look like? And to do that with a, the person I'm thinking about in, in the ways we've been talking can be very scary for them. Absolutely terrifying. If not set up. I mean, I don't, I'm just thinking about couching the, the context so that it's... it's that is exactly, that is exactly right. Um, and, you know, there's this, because people, I think, hang on to what they know, the devil you know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's funny because this is exactly this, this stuff, this writing project that I've been working on mm-hmm. is about a young adult. It's about a teenager, actually, he's 14, who is, and that's exactly where she is. And she experiences, you know, this is terrifying, this kind of spinning out of control, like she's just stuck in the air and she can't come down. Mm-hmm. And through the, the novel, you know, she's going to find her way to actually, what if this is exactly where I need to be? And in that scary space is my freedom. Mm. And to me, that's what the valuing piece is about, right? And so it might start small. It might start just by a question like, if you could choose your life, would this be it? And if the answer to that is no, you have an opening to start Mm. shaping, right? Mm -hmm. Little tiny steps, like, and just recognizing like, yeah, this is not it. Okay. What would you want to be different? What if this could be different? Would you want that? Not saying you can have it, but what if? And sometimes just allowing yourself to want things, right? To like sit, to notice and allow that, 
you want something else is terrifying, right? Because right away your mind might come in and shut it down and say, you can't have that. That's mm -hmm. dangerous. Mm -hmm. Why would you want that? Yeah. Right. And so it's slow work sometimes, this shaping of values. And I think that like, it's so interesting to me because a lot of people do it so, so superficially, mm -hmm. you know, like, tell me what you care about. Like Marcel, if I said mm. to you, so Marcel. Yeah, let's go through this deck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And and it's really about the, the clinical work, right? And the, the magic of it is, as a clinician, I think the most important thing is really paying attention. Really paying attention in a way that's just so connected. And then catching your client in those moments when something shifts, something changes, um, when you can see them light up just a little bit, hmm. you know, or it, it doesn't even need to be that. It could be like some, they could shut down, they could shift the subject, they could get angry with you, they could be sad, they could giggle, like it could be anything at all. And then just kind of really noticing that slowing down and finding out what's what's in there mm -hmm. what's in yeah there? I'm, I'm glad you said that because i've always um I, I haven't i haven't found it natural for me to do the card sort i never do the card sort I, I very so I rarely it, you know? put it that way yeah <laughs> i have them all i just yeah and i do I, it so, this way yeah and i and i and i, I appreciate that because i uh it kind of reinforces that i'm i'm, I'm okay i'm not too broken <laughs> no and you're pretty behavioral marshall aren't you I'm, I'm, I, I describe myself as a non-congenital behaviorist. I like that. Yeah. I, I, I came to the later in, in my, in my training and I'm, I'm still, it's still very much unfolding. Yeah, for sure. Well, I was just thinking today, I have two, I have these two naughty dogs, which are like, whenever I do a podcast, they're usually doing something inappropriate. So we'll wait for that. But you know, I'm trying to, one of them is a super reactive guy and he just launches himself at windows and goes ballistic. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to shape really simple things and shaping, I think is, you know, really simple behavioral procedure where you're going to reinforce successive approximations of a behavior. Mm -hmm. And you start with ballpark. Yep. This is it. And so we, every morning I'm the earliest one up. So I make coffee and I make the dogs breakfast. So I have this little window where I can shape behavior. And instead of, you know, yelling at him for launching himself at the windows, what I do is if he's near me, he gets a treat. And then after that, if he's sitting while he's near me, he gets a treat, right? Mm -hmm. If he's quiet and sitting near me, he gets a treat. And then today we worked on down and down means down I, I wanted to shape a relaxed down so we started with like I'm really just about to pop up but and you know but I'm on you know my belly's on the ground and he got a treat for that and then after that I shaped this one behavior right and like I didn't ask for it mm -hmm. I just noticed right and what I wanted was for him to tuck his front paw under his chest because when dogs do that that means they're less likely to get up they're settling in and so I, all I did this morning was shape that. So he got a treat and he did that. And he just, I had his attention the whole time because he needed to attend to me. So that was something that was being reinforced the whole time. And eventually he just got to it where he'd just lay down and right away tuck that paw. And then we worked on extending the duration. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that is slow work and it doesn't, it is, and it isn't slow work, right? It's very you have to be very attentive to do that. And then when you're with a client, with you're with another human and you're trying to encourage them to walk through this door of wishing, of wanting, of, of mm -hmm. feeling wonder and joy, you want to do that. And I shape this behavior in Dougal in 10 minutes. And guess what? If you're really paying attention and if you have that show up in session, yeah you can really start to reinforce that, you know? Yeah. And of course you have to see for, for people what is going to be reinforcing. Sometimes it's silence. 
And you're just silent attention. Sometimes it's Mm -hmm. just letting them know that you're moved by what you're saying. Sometimes it's, you know, talking and going, yeah, I get it. And that sense of understanding, that Mm -hmm. that feeling of being gotten. And I think that's another thing that people forget sometimes when they're doing superficial values work, they're not paying attention to the impact of their behavior and what's going on, you know? Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, amen to all of that. I I appreciate that perspective a lot. Like the contextual factors that would make us retreat to these small reinforcers that are controllable. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So it makes sense. It's as, as I think the beauty of the behavioral perspective is we, it's our job to make sense of, of things and not demonize anybody. Right. And behavior in context. Yeah. Right. Thinking about we can't understand behavior unless it's in a context. So mm-hmm. what's driving this need to stay on screens yeah. is another interesting question. Not just what's the problem of it, but like, why is it so compelling? You know, what's happening in the world that's going to send us there in droves and keep us there. And so <clears throat> the values work is about making something else more interesting to put it in exactly terms. exactly right it's about creating and for me like as someone who's a sort of creative writer it's about using our ability to tell stories mm-hmm. and to encourage your your folks that you're working with to tell themselves or to explore a different story of what mm-hmm. might be possible yeah okay. and to explore it fully like with their heart and their experience not just you know, their head. And also it's to engender sort of trial and error learning about this, to do stuff in that direction, not just think about it. Mm-hmm. Valuing isn't just knowing or thinking that you want something. It is, I'm going to do this, even if I have no idea where it's going to go. Here we go. Let's yeah. see what happens. So it requires willingness to risk and there's a great, you know, it was funny on this uh, residence, there was this, there's this uh, writer that I really like. He's, his name is John O'Donoghue and he's sort of a spiritual guy. And he lived in that region of the world. And there was this great quote on one of the walls of the college and said, learn to find ease in risk. Mm. And I just love that because that's what you're doing when you're teaching valuing, Right. Because the, the more you move towards those things that you really deeply care about, the bigger the risk. You could lose them. You can, can you, crash and burn. Can you expand on teaching valuing? Yeah, sure. So the first step is starting to listen to yourself a little bit differently, getting out of your head mm-hmm. and sort of getting into your actual lived experience, getting into your heart, listening to what you long for that maybe is missing, stepping into those things that make you sad, your sense of grief or loss is another one. Things that really piss you off, right, might be another one. So any sort of strong emotion, it's teaching people that instead of running from those things, why not not turn towards them and kind of spend a little time noticing what that's about? Because inside that is the stuff that you care about, right? We don't get upset. We don't feel strong emotion about you know, going to the grocery store, <laughs> like, you know, um, we, we get upset about the stuff that you care about. And so following that, unless they make me wear a fucking mask, then I get really upset about the grocery right. store. <laughs> and what, if, and let's think about that. Right. So like for those people mm-hmm. who get that wild and are ripping masks off other people's faces, there's something really important in that. What is it? And maybe You know, I will say it's misplaced if you're going to rip somebody's mask off, but still that doesn't like take away the fact that there's something they really want. And maybe it's a sense of self-determination. Maybe it's a sense of freedom. And what are the factors that have created that? And so exploring that with someone, you know, if you really get down to it, might lead them in a completely different direction. Maybe tearing masks off is not the way to get there. Maybe it's 
you know, some other kind of advocacy. Maybe it's, you know, I don't know, finding another career or job or giving voice to stuff that you feel like has been taken from you. I don't know. But valuing begins with that. It begins with this exploration of the things you care about. And then it involves actually engaging in behavior that is consistent with that. Um, you know, whether or not you think it's feasible, doable or not, it's exploring. And this is a really important piece of valuing. It's, a, it's, it's engaging in that behavior and letting go of the outcome, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't ever know like, you know, what's going to happen. You need that sort of sense of curiosity. Um, but if you're gonna go like, like if I approach this thing this summer, like, well, I'm going to write a novel that will be a bestseller. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that would just be horrible. That is not at all what I'm interested in. What I'm interested in is having a freaking awesome time writing this story and then seeing what happens. Yeah. And so I'm going by this, does this feel consistent? with my sense of what this should be, yes mm -hmm. or no. Mm -hmm. And constantly trying to get closer to that. But if I was like, well, I'm going to do this thing. And then if, you know, if that didn't work, I'd be done. That's not valuing, that's goal setting, yeah. right? Which is a useful thing sometimes, right? Along the way to following your value. Mm -hmm. But it's really about engaging in the behavior. And then what you find is the more you, you do that, the more you get into sort of um, engaging in these behaviors, just behaving that way is reinforcing. It doesn't matter what the outcome is because mm -hmm. you're getting closer, you know, yeah. you're getting closer and closer and closer and you don't know where it's going to go. Hmm. So it's, it's really about, um, or another thing it's about is this sort of trial and allowing yourself to do this trial and error learning even if it makes you feel uncomfortable or makes you feel vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I love that. I, I, I want to share that. I was um, just feeling like all this, these, this, you know, you, you, what you said earlier, get out of your head. And, and then you went kind of back and talked about, you know, really <laughs> connecting with what's going on there. And I had the experience yesterday of just kind of taking myself for a run. And I just like, I got to have a conversation with myself, you know, and, and, um, uh, there was a lot of beauty that came out of that. And, and I did some writing afterwards and, you know, my mind is like, oh, this, once I, once I get recognition for the, the genius of this writing, then I'm really gonna, I'm gonna enjoy myself, you know? And I kept pulling myself back to how, how is this, how am I enjoying expressing and finding what's going on with me right now? And how is this like, you know, how can I connect to, to what I'm feeling as I, as I live in this, in this moment that I'm in? Mm-hmm. Where'd you come up with? What did you notice about that yourself? Well, I just, I just, it was, I was, I was curious, I was more curious about what was, what was showing up and it, it wasn't, I was, I was more attentive to the kind of riding the energy that I felt and the creativity that I felt in that moment and not about kind of, I don't know, looking for publishers. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's you know? exactly right. And it's interesting because like just doing this deep dive into kind of a writing project this summer, I noticed the same thing um, because there's this whole, as I'm learning, there's this whole thing that you have to do where you have to self-promote. And I always mm -hmm. like, if you know me, you know, I think that that's just, I hate that. It just makes <laughs> me want to take a shower. <laughs> Ugh, right. Um, I, and I'm like, oh God, but if I actually want to publish this, I'm going to have to do all that. And I was like, no, no, no. We're not even going to think about that yet. First, we're going to work on the book mm -hmm. and we're going to keep learning and we're going to keep opening and we're just going to keep playing around. And the other thing too, here's another side of valuing that I think is important. Um, so, you know, when I first did my master of fine arts program, I, I thought quite literally, and it was in poetry, right? Mm -hmm. I, I thought quite literally that like good poets didn't write bad poems. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I believed that with my whole talk about kind of like, kind of like, like anybody who reads anything you write has to like it. Kind of exactly. Thing. Yeah. Right. That's what and makes so a good poem. Yeah. 
I guess, you know, and every time I would sit down and write shitty stuff, I'd be mm -hmm. like, well, this is excruciatingly bad and I must not be supposed to be doing this. This mm -hmm. is stupid. And um, I ended up like, I think that that played not a small part in not doing this kind of writing for about 25 years. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I practiced, and of course I did not know act when I was learning this, that was long before that. Right. And by then I was like, I, but of course I love my work in psychology. I love being a clinical psychologist mm -hmm. um, because much as I think humans get it wrong a lot, I do actually quite like them, at least the ones that I work with, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the ones you get to know are pretty awesome. Yeah, right. It's all but those anyway, other, all, all those other ones out there that are probably, it's all those other ones that I just don't want to talk to you at all, but What's I that, uh, heard of you know, that saying that the, the only normal people out there are people you haven't talked to yet. Probably yeah. that's exact. That's, that's accurate. But the other thing I had to learn was how to sit down and put marks on the page, regardless of mm -hmm. what I was thinking and feeling. And some mm -hmm. days I would just sit down and be like, I am uninspired. This is crap. I don't want to be doing this. Why am I not asleep? This yeah. and just like, what, this is pointless. What are you doing? A stupid midlife <laughs> crisis, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. indulgence you're doing, like how selfish are you spending this time doing this? You could be doing something. So all these things show up. Right. And the other piece of valuing is going, and this matters to me. And I'm going to take all of that. And I'm going to open up that document and I'm going to put some marks on the page. And then the critic shows up about how shitty the actual writing is and mm -hmm. yep and we're gonna go anyway and we're not gonna edit we're just gonna write that's what we're doing and that practice right because a lot of people i think when they first get into valuing are like oh i will be inspired i will have this wonderful feeling of valuing all the time and i'm going to follow that guess what that's the same sort of avoidance game just in a different package mm -hmm. so what you got to learn to do is I choose this action yeah. no matter what. And that's the commitment piece of act. And you know what? I wrote over hundred pages of some, yeah. and some of them were really shitty and some <laughs> of them were brilliant uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> and we're still going. So, yeah. Right. So, so after spending your graduate studies with Kelly, you don't just walk around valuing all the time. It doesn't, it's not all. <laughs> No, we do. It's just, you, well, that's the thing is you fall in and out of it. Even yeah. if you, yeah. like, even if you train with Kelly, even if you are Kelly, I'm sure he would agree <laughs> with this. <laughs> and by the way, he's not to give him a plug, but he, he is teaching that valuing class with practice coming up. So just oh, yeah. FYI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think that's an ongoing, up, but, isn't that an ongoing recording? Well, I sure hope so because I missed it. I, I missed signing up and I thought, ah, damn, I actually wanted to. Yeah, I thought it was kind of an ongoing uh, thing like Steve did. Oh, I hope so. Well, that yeah. would be great. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But yeah, you fall into it and out of it and you can forget how to do it. Mm -hmm. And then you just have to kind of gently bring yourself back. Because okay. we're human, right? We make mistakes. Yeah. All the time. Okay. So if we, if, if we go from the me search to the, the other search, you know, with our clients, yes. I'm just thinking about getting people to do shit. Is, you know, and especially when we're talking about the OCD realm, um, mm, yeah, I know, and mm -hmm. I know you're, I know you're a, a big fan of the interoceptive exposure. Is that, is that a starting place generally, or is it, you know? Well, yes, because the very, for me, where I always start with my clients is I want to, I want to get a sense of, can they actually get out of their heads? Right. Mm -hmm. And so I start really simply with discrimination training. Like, can you, like, when are you here now? And when are you stuck up in your thoughts? And can I catch you when you're here now? Okay. Can I coax you to be here now? Can I prompt you to do that and reinforce it? And so what I try to do with the interoceptive kind of anything, you know, when you say interoceptive exposure, and I think about like just present moment awareness mm -hmm. of bodily sensations, right? And I would, you know, and yes, there's structured interoceptives exposures that we would do too, but mm -hmm. 
I think that for folks with OCD or anxiety, simple mindfulness, right? Simple, like noticing your body can, can function as a really rudimentary and beginning step to that. Yeah. So I want to have them notice something and see what happens, right? When they are stepped out of their head. And then I want to see if they can catch themselves when they get stuck back in. What's that like? And so I just do this very beginning, like with these curiosity exercises, is something that you know I've written about with Ben Sedley in our um, Stuff That's Loud book. And we talk about it also in, um, you know, Stop Avoiding Stuff, the book that I did with Matt Boone and Jennifer Gregg, mm-hmm. um, which is supposed to be very distilled act, you know. Pochine act, very distilled. <laughs> Sorry, but um, it's not Prost, is it? Exactly. <laughs> so it's very much like you know, just getting them started by noticing that. And I think that that the more and more I do this work, right, and the more I kind of, you know, in my years of practice, like I feel like that piece is so foundational, mm-hmm. and we should not gloss over it but we need to assess whether or not people even can tell that they're doing it. Do they have the skill in doing it? Do they know what we need? Shaping their slowing down and noticing because that's really the place where you're gonna start um, contacting your observing self and where you're gonna start to do that foundational values work of wondering what if, Mm -hmm. what is it that I want? Start listening to yourself in a different way. So that's really the core of it. Um, sometimes I think that OCD is sort of a template for every other disorder, right? Because it really is like uh, no. the way it's, it works. It's so emblematic of that sort of, I have an, you know, an unwanted private event and then I'm going to engage in behavior to fix that mm-hmm. um, because it's dangerous yeah. somehow. Yeah. You know? So that's what drew it drew me to, to working more and, and getting some training around OCD was that it, it, I, I felt I'm the so same thing. And I thought, and if I can, if I can get good at helping these folks, then it's, it's going to help me in all other areas and in, in practicing these, these contextual behavioral ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And OCD can be a very good teacher as well for the person who has it mm-hmm. because you know, not that we would ever, ever wish it on anyone, but it's such a freaking taskmaster. And if you can learn how to face those fears, you really can apply that to every other area of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. it just teaches you so much about how do you lean into those things that are hard, right? How do you, how do you step back from your own mind and go, actually, there's another piece of me that maybe knows better and is yeah. going to go find out and test this. Yeah. Um, what a, what a thing, right? Like what a, what a way to learn it. I mean, because you have to engage in systematic practice of leaning in to your fears, openly choosing to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, over time, over situations, over context. And sometimes we do it in a graduated way with a hierarchy. Sometimes we jump around, but either way, it's the systematic practice of, yeah, I'm going to lean into this. Yeah. Like that, that can teach you so much about other areas of your life. What is, uh, for folks who are, are working on, on this kind of, um, you know, are, are wanting to, <clears throat> what am I trying to ask here? What distinguishes the act and from CBT, traditional CBT for treating OCD from your perspective? You know, I think of act as CBT, maybe not traditional CBT. Yeah. I guess I, what I like, think it if adds, I saw you, if I saw you working and I saw Jonathan Abramowitz working, what, what am I going to. Well, but he does act too. Yeah. So how about, how about do, um, gosh, Who's like a straight up CBT person? I think that, well, here's a secret. I actually think that the good CBT people are doing a little bit of ACT without okay. realizing it. Okay. What I think ACT offers is precision because it focuses on specific behaviors to shape. Okay. When I think about the differences between 
ERP from a straight up CBT perspective, habituation mm -hmm. model, mm -hmm. right? Where the focus is about reducing distress and reducing avoidance behaviors, mm -hmm. right? The, the big B little C people are focused on reducing avoidance, but there's this missing piece, right? It's what are they doing instead? What are we shaping instead? Mm. And so from an ACT perspective, I think about the function of ERP is to stay present, to be willing to experience things that are uncomfortable mm. such that you can engage in a flexible repertoire of behavior, whether or not that threat cue or that unwanted sensation or experience is there, right? Yeah. And so it's about changing your relationship to your fears and it's about broadening your response repertoire, right? Um, you know, and it's, so, so that's what I think the act adds and it teaches you how to do that. You know, if you are stuck in your head, engaging in rituals, trying to get rid of a private event, we teach you first of all, how to be in your body and to notice that you were stuck in your head, right? Then when you are, do, you know, you're doing your exposure, right? We want you really choosing to be there for the show, not just kind of, you know, white knuckling or blocking mm -hmm. your eyes. And we want you to do it not so you feel better, but rather so that you can have that life that maybe you didn't think you could right? You can have that freedom and flexibility. And I think, again, it, it kind of looks at behavior and act looks at behavior in context in a way that good CBT probably does, but it's not explicit. You know, it's not explicit yeah, yeah. necessarily. And again, I want to say this because I know plenty of, of people who do sort of more process-based CBT um, or plenty of people who really do kind of think about this in the context of one's life. But I want to be careful because one of the things that I worry about is how we train this. You know, you see a lot of folks who are like teaching techniques mm -hmm. without sort of going, doing this deep dive into mm -hmm. like the context and like, why are we doing these techniques and what's mm -hmm. the purpose of the, mm -hmm. the broader purpose you, of these yeah. techniques. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. what I think that act adds. Okay. I think the danger though, I will say this. I, I worry that sometimes people who are trained only in act who are not trained in more systematic CBT lose that nuance of this. It's necessary. It's helpful to do systematic exposure, right? Mm -hmm. It's good um, but, you know, to do just act and also don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. You got to yeah. do, you know, like, especially if you're teaching young people and children, right? Practice of any kind of behavior. If you want to strengthen a behavior, you practice it, right? Yeah. You don't just do it when you feel like it. Yeah. And I'm not no. saying that act would teach that. that. Sense, it's just no. that, yeah, it's just that we need to make sure. Kind of too laissez faire a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And and then there's a whole nuance about the cognitive rumination, you know, and all of that stuff. I've heard people say, well, ACT doesn't address that. And yes, of course it does. If you understand the functional analytic and the behavior analytic underpinnings of ACT, mm -hmm. yes, you would treat cognitive rituals the same way you would treat any other mm -hmm. behavior, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And yeah. you would stuff that <laughs> so well and what is uh, any other behavior but kind of an extension of that anyways so i mean exactly uh one of the things i struggle with is when i invite someone to do in session exposure work and they reject me <laughs> you know it's like no nah, i don't want to do that today you know um because i i worry about as i go into kind of processing with them what's going on there that i'm like bullying them. Like, you know, I, I want to be, you know, I don't want to be bullying them. And um, I'm wondering if you have any, any questions or counsel for me around that. And yes. Yeah. So do you want me to just show you what I would do? 
<laughs> whatever. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's, easy, it's easier to just show you. So yeah. can you just be that person and be like, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Marcel, what's, what's something that actually scares you that you're like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so you can make it up if okay. you want. How about, um, how about watching a video of a dash can dash, you know, of a, a car crash? Mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so we're going to do that today, right? We're going to watch this dash cam video, right? Yeah, yeah. Ready? No, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't, I'm not ready. Yeah. So I just want you to step back and notice that thought that you just had there that I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. And I want you to kind of drill down and notice what, what's the feeling that goes with that. I'm worried about driving home afterwards yeah. and um, making it there and not freaking out on the way home. Mm-hmm. And so as you have that thought and you notice that, what's kind of, what's your mind telling you or what's your mind showing you about that drive home as you go? Um, and just kind of stay there. And I want you to really notice kind of what's coming up in the body as you tell me. Should I tell you or should I just notice it? Up to you. Okay. Yeah. I'm Is noticing. your mind giving you some pictures? Yep. I'm. I'm kind of on my way home. I keep seeing a certain intersection for a reason, and um, you know, mm-hmm. and just uh, it's like sh- it's shaky. I feel shaky, and uh, mm-hmm. you know. Good. Just keep noticing that. Let's just stay in this space where kind of that shows up and that notice your mind throwing up all these barriers to doing this exposure. Mm. Right. Yeah. I just like want to go home. I want to do, I'll do it later, but I'll do it at home, you know, Mm -hmm. when I'm by myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So notice that thought that kind of like, I need to control the conditions under which I do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What does that do when you have that thought? Uh, I feel comfortable. Mm. I feel more at ease, you know, than knowing that it's there. So what would it be? What do you think it would be like to have those thoughts? I'm not ready. I'll do it later. And to kind of just explore what would it be like to do it now? And I'm not saying, I'm not going to try and make you do this. I'm just telling you this right now. It's not about that. All I want you to do is to stay in this space of possibility. Like you could do it. You could have those thoughts and take a step forward now. Mm-hmm. And I want you to notice that feeling, right? And notice that even as you anticipate that, even as you explore that, you're stepping out into that, you know, discovery zone, right? Good work. Stay with it. Right. You could definitely choose to do it later. And also you could choose to do it now. Right. So I'll stop you there, but here's the thing. Mm-hmm. When someone is telling you they're not ready or they're not willing, that content is right there waiting for you to explore it with them. There's mm-hmm. no need to push because it's already in the room. Mm-hmm. And if you can just like invite them to kind of notice that space of possibility, you don't have to do anything. And I, and here's the thing. I, I don't push at all. I just kind of talk to them, you know, and I ask questions. I might take it further. What if we just, you know, we're not going to watch it, but like what would it be like to just kind of open that up on the screen? And just notice what that's like. Mm-hmm. And again, there are no have tos here. There's only your choice. Yeah. I will not make you. I can't make you do anything. Yeah. But I just want you to explore and see what is this like. Yeah. Notice that you know when this comes up, your body wants to shut you down. Right. What would it be like to step into that space? And then I might say, you know, I might start to incorporate some valuing work right there, like in the service of X, would you be willing to see 
what's that like? Mm -hmm. But this is the thing, like when people use, I think that one of the things we also have to be careful of when we're in court, when we're integrating acting therapy is diffusion specifically, right? People can use diffusion inappropriately mm. during an exposure to as sort of a control strategy, right? Where to use diffusion. People including therapists, right? Is, oh yeah, exactly. Yes. Or including therapists. And yeah, who are people sometimes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, and where to use it really is is exactly where you see that fusion with, I can't, I'm not ready. I have mm -hmm. to control this. Mm -hmm. Those are also thoughts. And we forget that's the perfect place for, for diffusion because it's functional, right? Like if you can step back and notice that thought, you know, just like, and, and think about it. Like, this is what I practiced all summer with this writing. Your writing is shit. There's no point in this. Mm -hmm. You don't want to do it. And mm -hmm. here I go. That's when you use it, yeah, right? Yeah, when it's yeah, a barrier. Beautiful. I, I, I really appreciate that uh, example. Oh. You, um, walking with me and, and I'm just taking away the, <clears throat> you know, the importance, A, of obviously not taking it personally when someone doesn't want yeah. it. Yeah. You know? Oh, and, yeah. And the inviting nature, the, the, the curiosity. I think is something that I, I just want to keep cultivating because the more that I can have that open curiosity, the less it's like, we have to do this. And, you know, I'm mm -hmm. pushing. Yeah. There's a gentleness there. There is. And you're giving control back where control works, right? Mm -hmm. the, your person in front of you can choose. They can't control what they're thinking and feeling, of course, but they 100% can control what they choose. Yeah. Right. And so you're kind of shifting it um, because otherwise it can turn into like a tug of war. Like, I want you to do the thing. No, I'm not going to do the thing. Yes, you can. No, I can't. You know, mm -hmm. and this is another way that act is different from traditional CBT. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, don't get me wrong either. Like I, for some clients, depending on the context and situation in that individual, I'll straight up be like, oh no, we're going to do this. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like, here yeah. we go. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's important to recognize again, that as a good or as someone who is dialed in and paying attention, mm -hmm. you've got to work with the funk, you know, whatever the function of behavior is in front of you. Yeah. Right. And so I work with the behavior, not necessarily like, is this act or CBT? Mm -hmm. And I will flexibly shift back and forth between those as yeah. needed, as workable. Sometimes yeah. you need to kind of like be the hammer of God and be like, here we go. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. I, I really, I, I love that. I love that. <clears throat> and that's, that's uh, makes me. I don't know what that does for me, but I was going to say something witty, but I couldn't think of what to say after that. <laughs> um, well, maybe, maybe it helps no, you be flexible. Well, it does. Like it doesn't flexibly I'm use that bag of tricks. I'm know? just thinking about, you know, various clients that, you know, there's a lot of F-bombs in there and other clients oh, yeah. where there's none, you know? And so. Exactly. Well, thanks. I really appreciate your, your, uh, your style. And I'm excited about your, your writing project and all that you have going on. And, thanks. Um, too. I'm, I'm excited uh, about your early retirement. Damn. <laughs> it's kind of, I don't know. I, I don't know. To, but, I want you to help me do that. That would be great. <laughs> well, I th I don't see myself ever not, you know, seeing clients and working, uh, Same. but it's just, you know, it's <laughs> just working less would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Mm -mm, playing and, and enjoying life. Yeah. I'm going to promote, um, your, your, uh, the new England center for anxiety and thank <clears> you. People can get a hold of you through there. I don't know. Do you do consultation one-on-one -on -one still, or is it? All, I do, do all the okay. time. Yeah, I'm full. I'm pretty full now. We're teaching a few classes that are coming up. Um, I'm teaching an advanced OCD consultation group. So mm -hmm. if people are listening to this and you are curious and you want to learn more about how we might approach this, um, that is for. And you know, I I really like one thing that's I think part of our clinic and, and my team is that we, you know, we really 
like to work with kind of the more complex cases, mm-hmm. the tough cases. Um, and I don't know what that is. It's just, I feel like it's it's something that's just really important to me. And it has been since I, you know, founded the, the um, OCDI Junior at McLean, which my fabulous um, successor, Maria Freire, is now running. And if, if people are interested, come sign on to that consult group. And we're yeah. also teaching basic I definitely ERP. recommend it. I, I, I was in the, I think that, or a more basic, maybe intermediate consult group. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. That wasn't, yeah. And um, it was great. I, I really enjoyed yeah. that and kept me feeling sharp. I'm so glad. Yeah. And it's a yeah. great group. And because you really benefit from each other. I think people really benefit from mm-hmm. hearing about lots of different presentations and cases and things like that. So, and Evie Gould is teaching a class on um, a consult group again on OCD and individuals on the autism spectrum, mm. because we yeah. are getting so many referrals. We yeah. see so many clients who look like that. Um, there are others in the field like Rebecca Evasax, whose work we really admire um, to do a ton of that work too. But yeah, and then I'm teaching a couple of things with Evie and Ben um, with Praxis, we're teaching course on parenting with, and with Evie and then um, stuff therapists. that's loud mm-hmm. for therapists okay. and then uh, stuff that's loud with Ben where we're you know walking through sort of our specific model of how do we integrate act and ERP um, for young people so that's kind of a fun one too so I'm looking forward to playing with those guys again this year you you seem so uh, relaxed for someone who doesn't sleep <laughs> I actually slept for the first night last <laughs> night because I've been super jet lagged coming back from yeah. Ireland. So you're catching me on the upswing. And uh, that's the name of the game, though, is to do a little bit less. Yeah. And to focus more on those things. So we're letting, I'm letting some things go um, and, and trying to focus and drill down on those things that are really most important. Yeah. I hope I didn't offend you there, but you, um, Oh God, very, no, not okay. at all. You're not very at productive. All. It's amazing. All the things you have going on. And I, and I, I just, I, I do want to comment. I just feel like you're a, you know, a deep river that isn't, isn't, there's not rapids there. And I, I really appreciate that you're doing, you're Thanks doing something there. And, and, uh, well, I just really appreciate this conversation. It's been so, it's just really fun to talk to you. And you. I, I'm so excited to be on your podcast because I really like it. I think you do amazing you. work. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, for real. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that, and I'm, I'm, I'm. Uh, I will. Uh, I'll store that in my in my uh, closet, uh, <laughs> where where there's all these other voices that are competing for. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you suck. Yeah. Yeah. Oh um, yes, I know those voices too. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, thanks so much, uh, Lisa. And you're um, so welcome. Yeah. We'll. Uh, hopefully cross paths in the near future and maybe even I in person. So. Yeah. That would be lovely. Yeah. My gosh. Imagine that. <laughs> Take you. care of yourself. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Bye.